I think it's just an attitude of not letting things beat you, uh, regardless of, of what that be, whether it be an opponent at sport, whether it be an illness that you get. My grandfather, God rest him, learned a lot of life lessons from him, but he had a saying that you may lose, but you're never beaten. Welcome to the When We Are Brave podcast, a podcast sharing inspirational stories and conversations, plus tips and tricks on living your best and bravest life. I'm your host, Tiffany Johnson, author of Brave Enough Now, keynote speaker and your host of the When We Are Brave podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in to When We Are Brave. I know that together we are going to live our best and bravest life. Good morning and welcome to the When We Are Brave podcast. I'm so excited to be sharing with you a fabulous interview with Jack Fitzpatrick. Jack has played professionally in the Australian Football League for the Melbourne Demons for six years and the Hawthorne Hawks for two years, retiring due to concussion in 2017. Jack has lived with chronic fatigue as a young boy and lives with type 1 diabetes and was diagnosed at the age of 21 in the midst of his professional football career. He is currently a radio host on SEN. His show, Off the Field, is on Sunday mornings and is also available on the SEN app and on Apple Podcasts. He is assistant coach for the Western Bulldogs Australian Football League women's team and is also an ambassador for Diabetes Victoria Australia. Welcome to the When We Are Brave podcast, Jack. Thank you so much for having me on. It's, it's great that uh, I was able to interview you on the Diabetes Week podcast not long ago. And, yes. Uh, now you're the one asking the questions. So <laughs> how the tables have turned, they in, would say in the movies. Yes, indeed. So for you out there, I just would love, Jack, for you to tell us a bit about your incredible life. It's it's pretty tough to sum up if, if you want to include all of it. As you said, I sort of, um, you know, grew up a, a kid in Australia loving sport um, and at the age of five, uh, was I got uh, glandular fever and as a result of that ended up developing chronic fatigue syndrome. From that, it was probably a bit of a battle at times throughout my, you know, probably the next 10 years in particular, um, my early teens going through growth spurts and, and was quite unwell. But uh, in the end, I was able to get through school and was lucky enough that I was still able to play footy and ended up getting drafted to the Mal- Melbourne Football Club, which is which is literally a dream come true. Um, every kid in Australia just about um, grows up wanting to play in the AFL. Um, I know you've got listeners all around the world and to them AFL might not be a big deal, but it's, it's probably the biggest sport in our country. Um, and then, yeah, two weeks before turning 21, it was my third year of AFL footy. Um, out of the blue, I was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes. Um, I had all the stereotypes of diabetes in my head at that time. I thought that it was something you get when you're a little bit older and, and maybe you don't eat well and, and you might be a little bit overweight. So it was a shock for me thinking, well, hang on, I'm you know 21 years old, I'm fit, I'm young, I'm active. How does that happen to me? And then, yeah, two years ago, two and a half years ago now, um, in 2017, I had to retire um, after my eighth season, after having a concussion um, and doctors uh, suggesting that, you know, I'd, I'd, had, I'd had a few of them, um, but after this particular one, the doctors had sort of suggested that um, I retire from contact sport just to no longer put myself at risk. So um, I've since moved away from playing footy. I'm, I'm now coaching, as you said, uh, really enjoying it, a, a new challenge at the AFLW. Um, it's a new competition. We're just coming into our fourth season. 
Um, previously, I've coached at the VFL, which I suppose is the second tier below the um, Australian Football League. So the VFL is a Victorian Football League. So I've been coaching there. I'm now at the AFLW um, and, and doing a bit of media stuff, as you said, as well. So keeping reasonably busy. It certainly sounds that way, Jack. So with all of the different experiences that you've had in your life, you've overcome incredible illnesses, chronic fatigue, glandular fever, living with type 1 diabetes as a fellow type 1 diabetic. I can completely appreciate the challenges that brings. Tell us a bit about how you live bravely in still pursuing your passion, especially being a top athlete. It's That's incredibly difficult. Um, I would love to, for you to tell us about that. I don't know if it's being an athlete or if it's, you know, at the age of five years old, um, you know, getting quite sick with glandular fever and then developing chronic fatigue or, or maybe it's just a personality trait where I like to say competitive but a lot of people would potentially just say I'm stubborn. I, I think it's just an attitude of not letting things beat you uh, regardless of, of what that be, whether it be an opponent at sport, whether it be an illness that you get. My grandfather, God rest him, um, one of the most remarkable men I've, I'd ever met. Um, learned a lot of life lessons from him, but he had a saying that you may lose, but you're never beaten. And that was something that I think, um, you know, it was great to see Nick Kyrgios at the Australian Open. I think he's slowly developing that where, you know, Nick could quite often, um, I suppose, give up when, when things got a little bit difficult for him. Um, but I think we saw him play Rafael Nadal and uh, he was, you know, he fought that match out until the end and, and I think won a lot of admirers for that. So... I guess for me it's just about – I guess you almost make yourself promises. You know, with chronic fatigue growing up as a kid, um, I would never let it stop me um, from either, you know, doing well at school or for um, for stopping my footy journey when, when it sort of became apparent that I might have a chance of, of playing footy professionally um, or even, you know, getting diagnosed with diabetes in my third year of AFL. Um, you know, you're still a young player. You're trying to develop in the team and, and earn your spot. Um I guess I always sort of said that if I'm not going to make it as a footballer, it's purely going to be because I'm not good enough, not because my diabetes stops me from training and playing. So I guess just having that mindset of um, once you've almost made a commitment to know this isn't going to be the reason I lose, you do everything you can, um, everything you can to, I suppose, you know, control the controllables and achieve whatever it is you set out. So, um, you know, whether it be a teenager at school, understanding that, you know, maybe you can only train one night a week when you're playing footy. Maybe you can't train at all. Um, maybe it's understanding that, um, you know, to get a good score for a certain test, then you have to study a certain amount. It's no different. You sort of – it's something you can control. Um, and then obviously at AFL level, um, you're probably lucky as an elite athlete where I could put my whole life around my training regime, my diet and what I was eating and, and how fit I would keep myself – um, and as a result, um, I was then able to, yeah, get another five and a half years out after diagnosis. And as I said, the only reason I'm still not playing now is unfortunately um, due to concussions. But we only have one brain and, and I would like mine to work reasonably well. That's a pretty good outlook on life. For people out there who don't quite understand the difference between type 1 and type 2 diabetes, just so that we can get a complete understanding of the difference and how incredible it is that you have still managed to pursue your lifelong dream, do you want to just tell us a little bit about that difference? As I said before about the stereotypes of diabetes, I think all of those stereotypes that we see 
they come from type 2, I would say. And type 2, um, look, I don't have it, so my understanding of it probably isn't as strong as, as type 1, but it, it is a bit more of a lifestyle thing. There, there are some who sort of are predisposed to it um, genetically and, and are um, more likely to get it, but it's pretty controllable. If you're eating the right foods, if you keep yourself fit, um, you know, type 2 diabetes shouldn't be too much of an issue to you. Um, and I guess that is, as I said, the stereotype where people are generally a little bit older, they might be a bit overweight, they, they're not as active as they should be, they, they don't eat the right foods. Type 1 diabetes is, um, it almost has a nickname at times, juvenile diabetes, as you know, but that's quite funny because neither of us, that's that's fitting for. <laughs> We're um, both 21. Yeah, we correct. <laughs> Happy 21st. Welcome to adulthood. Have diabetes. That's, mm-hmm. that's life's present to you. It often is is amongst children and, and you get diagnosed w- when you are younger. Um, effectively, for want of a better way of putting it, your pancreas effectively attacks itself and stops working and, and therefore no longer produces insulin. So insulin, um, again, the easiest way to describe it, it is the um, – it's a part of your body where if you ingest sugar slash carbohydrates, it's – whilst you're ingesting them, insulin is what – actually means your body will will take that sugar. So without that, it's just floating around your blood and you have excessive sugar in your blood. So um, that's probably the easiest way to describe it, I guess. Um, from there, I, I, you know, four injections a day, um, main meals and before bed, continually testing your levels. Um, but again, I also have a bit of an outlook that, you know, I got diabetes two weeks before I turned 21. Um, did I want it? No. Is it ideal? No. But I've got it. So deal with it um, in the best way you can. Control the things you can control in terms of what you're eating and putting into your body and all that kind of stuff. And, and you know, the reality is there are people out there much worse off than I am. So if that's as bad as it gets for me and, and touch what it is, I consider myself pretty lucky because, you know, I've played footy with guys who, who've got skin cancer at times or, or whatever it might be. Um, you know, there are guys I've been to school with who are no longer with us due to certain things. So if I'm lucky enough that diabetes is as bad as it gets, then, you know, I haven't got it too bad. And that also sounds like something that your grandfather, probably his values have really instilled in you throughout your growing up. Absolutely, absolutely. It's, he's, as I said, you know, I've been pretty lucky with all my grandparents, um, uh, you know, but Pop in particular, he was one of 13 from the country. Um, that They grew up, they were poor, they had nothing. Um, so just like he was one of the happiest and kindest and most giving guys I've ever met. Um, and yeah, his, you know, attitude was, you know, be thankful for what you've got, I think. Gratitude. Very much so, very much so. And we were lucky enough at, at the Hawthorne Footy Club to do a bit of stuff um, and I know a lot of footy clubs and, and sports clubs are doing stuff with the Resilience Project, so Hugh Van Koylenberg. Not sure if you've heard of him but he's got a book out and he does a lot of talks and stuff and, and basically he studies gratitude um, and mindfulness and those kinds of things on the back of a cricket trip he went to India, I think it was, real up, up north where, you know, poverty stricken and, and whatever else and these kids had nothing, quite literally nothing, and they're all happy and, and bouncing up and down and, and over the moon. And back here in in Melbourne, in the you know reasonably leaf, leafy eastern suburbs, um, his sister developed an eating disorder, and he was trying to work out, well, how can my sister, who who's grown up in in Melbourne in a life of effectively privilege, I guess, um, you know, an, an attractive young woman, um, develop a, an eating disorder from you know effectively not being happy enough with herself, uh, a mental illness, versus seeing these kids who have nothing but they're also happy. But what do they have that, that we don't back in Australia? So that's sort of with the basis of his studies. And uh, yeah, I know that he does a lot of stuff around um, gratitude. Mm, I'm a big believer in gratitude. When I wake up in the morning, 
I wake up and my feet are dancing. <laughs> right, dancer. <laughs> a little dancer and, um, and that's how I know that the day has begun. And as soon as I feel my feet doing this little wiggle that they do, I instantly think of five grateful things. That's my first thing that I do every single day and each day it's different. I won't lie, sometimes I'm just very grateful to have my bed. <laughs> yeah, oh, don't worry, we all are. Yeah, um, and I just I really feel that that's an incredibly powerful part of our life to be grateful. Again, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a mindset thing effectively. It's, it's setting you on the looking at five things that you're happy for rather than working out, geez, today I've got this and I don't really want to do it. That's right. Focus on the stuff that you're yeah. really happy you've got. Yeah, 100%. So tell me, Jack, how do you overcome your fear and how do you live bravely through that? Fear is a, it's an interesting topic, isn't it? I mean, and, and being brave, there are different forms of it. Um, you know, I, I have no issue with things like needles and, and giving myself injections and, and um, I guess having to be quite stringent with what I'm eating and, and how strict I am with, with my lifestyle but, you know, get me to go um, up to the Eureka Tower and stand on that glass deck and look below. I couldn't do it. I'm, I'm scared of heights. Um, so, you know, maybe some would say that's not very brave. <laughs> um, I guess it probably comes back to, to controlling what you can control and just doing what you can to overcome it. I have a lot of people who say, geez, I, I couldn't give myself a needle. I'm shocking with needles. Um, not to over-dramatise it, but I'm pretty sure that pretty much anyone could do it if it means they're not going to die. So... You know, that's effectively what it is for us. Whilst I said diabetes is pretty manageable and I'm quite lucky in a sense that if that's as bad as I get, you know, then I'm, I'm pretty happy with that. But the reality with it is that, you know, we, we could quite easily die with, with poor management um, and have a lot of serious complications. So um, knowing that that's at the end of the tunnel um, or, or the end of the journey, if you don't um, potentially follow it so well, then I think it's a pretty good reason to... To uh, continue being brave, as you say, um, and and again, like you know, as I said, without over dramatizing it, just two weeks before twenty one, I, I could quite easily have died, and undoubtedly, um, you know, only a hundred years ago, insulin wasn't even a thing yet, so um, both of us could quite easily no longer be here. So I'm just quite, you know, life's a gift, and, and it's great to be around, and, and I love it. I wake up and. and you know, sometimes I probably could be a bit more thankful when I'm in a bit of a crappy mood and whatever else. But, you know, generally life's pretty good and I'm lucky to be here. So make the most of it and do what you can to stay alive. I can completely relate to everything you've just said. I think that when you do come very close to death, it totally, totally changes your outlook on life. It does. I mean, I've always been a pretty happy-go-lucky, relaxed, um, easygoing type person. Determined, determined, determined and and stubborn. And I think maybe that helps a bit in the fact that maybe just by nature I've been able to take things in my stride a little bit and um, not let them affect me and get to me too much. Um, And then I think that sort of inner determined and inner bit of self-confidence and and determination and and refusal to to lose, that probably it, it all combines that actually works quite well. A lot of people who don't know me so well will say that I actually don't care and I'm not competitive at all. But then those who know me best obviously know that I'm very competitive. It's just because I've got quite an easygoing and relaxed nature, um, which are almost an oxymoron and they don't kind of work together. But I guess, you know, I'm still here, so I'm doing something right. They seem to work for you, Jack. Which leads me into my next question, which I kind of feel like you've already we've already gone over it a little bit, but the tools that you've used to overcome fear, adversity, 
difficulties and bravery in your life you've talked about many different tools you've talked we've talked about gratitude and your positive mindset and being chilled out and taking what you have come to you and deal with it as best you possibly can and also not letting anything beat you what do you think out of all of those things is your best tool? I mean, if you ask me about my tools, I could be quite literal and say my, my insulin pen and, <laughs> and my, you know, my finger pricker, which tell me what my sugars are. They're my most valuable tools. Without them, I'm not getting too far. It's, when everyone asks me, uh, you know, what, uh, what would you take with you to a deserted island if you were stuck there? I've got a very easy answer. I don't have to think of something, you know, like a TV or, or, a, or a tent. I just oh, just my insulin. That would be, that would be quite handy. Um, so that's my literal tool, I guess. Uh, again, probably another reality of life, uh, all amongst, I guess, this paradox that is me in terms of being relaxed, easygoing and taking things in my stride but also being fiercely determined and competitive um, – I also, I guess, am quite pragmatic and, and literal and factual. The reality is it doesn't matter what it is, diabetes, chronic fatigue, um, concussion from footy, nothing I think or feel about them changes the fact of, of what it is. I've got diabetes regardless of whether I like it or not. As I said, is it ideal? No. If I had my way, would I have it? No. But I do have it and, and there's no point whinging about it because whinging doesn't get you anywhere. It just gets you in a negative mindset and, and all of a sudden you start resenting this thing that – um, you've got to live with. So I might as well make it my best friend and deal with it the way I can. Control what I can control, what I eat, how I live, you know, my exercise regimes, all those type of things. Because regardless of whether I'm happy about it or sad about it, it doesn't change what I have to do to deal with it. Same as concussion. I'm only 28 years old still. I mean, I'm reasonably, you know, I'm not quite as fit as I used to be being a professional athlete. But, you know, I, like I don't, I've got no injuries or anything. Um, I've just unfortunately just taken a couple of whacks to the brain and, um, you know, would I still be playing footy without that? I would. Would I love to be playing footy? Yes. I mean, there's so many different types of factors to that. There's obviously enjoyment that I've played footy since I was five years old. There's the team the team that you miss being around every day. It's a completely different environment to any environment you'll ever be involved in. Um, then you look at the realities of it as well, where it was a job, it was an income, it was quite a good income compared to pretty much anything else I'll do for the rest of my life. So... Would I have, if I had my way, would I still be playing? Of course I would, but unfortunately I don't have a say in it, and, and that sucks. But again, what can I do about it? I can't change that. What's happened in the past has happened, and regardless whether you're happy, sad, or indifferent about it, it just doesn't change. Life doesn't stop. Um, life keeps going. So you just deal with it in the best way you can, um, and, and deal with what is thrown at you. So my analogy is you can't go to the casino and, and put your 20 bucks down on the table to play blackjack. And if you get the two worst cards in the deck, you can't then say, actually, I'll have my 20 bucks back and leave. You just try and win the hand and, and play it as well as you can. That's the reality of the situation. You can't change the card you've been dealt. So um, I think being pragmatic and, and factual and literal, I can't change anything of, of what I've got or what I've had, um, but I can alter how I deal with it. I could easily go back into my shell and, and curl up and woe is me and life sucks and how bad is that for me? But it doesn't get me anywhere and it doesn't help me live a prosperous life for the future. As I said, what I've got, I've still got a life ahead of me, I hope, as, as long as things go well. And, and, you know, there are people who have been to wars, there are people who have had things like cancer, there are people who have had, you know, deaths in families, etc. That, that have been much more severe than what I've had. So, um, again, the reality of it is a little bit just 
deal with it because you can't change it no matter how much you like or dislike it. You deal with it in such a positive way too, Jack, which is so inspiring. Well, again, I'm lucky to be here, aren't I? I You are, absolutely you are. I could have died easily seven years ago or whenever I was diagnosed, but I'm here, I wake up every day. So, And you still have been able to live your dream and even though it's come to an end, but now you've got a new and exciting chapter, which is moving into being part of the Australian Football Women's League, which is incredible. It's awesome. Being able to be a male leader um, amongst our women elite athletes is a gift. It is. I consider myself really fortunate to be amongst these girls and... You know, the, the competition, we're only coming into its fourth season now. So it is in its infancy. Um, I had a career myself that lasted eight years and probably just getting back to the fact I had a gift, of, not wasn't given a gift, but I had the gift of playing AFL for eight years. I think if you had offered me that when I was 10 years old, I would have taken it every day of the week. But I played an eight-year eight career, um, which is literally longer than this competition has been around, which is bizarre. Um, I find it hard to believe that I played footy for longer than I went to high school. I think, how how did that last longer than, than school? So, yes, there is a lot that I guess we can give the, these athletes. Um, most of them are still, unfortunately, part-time. Um, you know, they've got their life away from footy, whether it be uni, study, a bit of both. But I guess there is also so much that I'm learning from them as well, which is which is great. Uh, these girls, are, as I said, they're part-time, so they're fitting it all in with with whatever else they're doing in life. With every um, hat they have to wear and being yeah, brave in doing so. Exactly right. And in that aspect, it's probably not dissimilar to coaching at the VFL in the last two years, which, as I said, is the Victorian Football League where, you know, all those guys have full-time jobs. So, you know, they get up at... But six o'clock, because most of them are probably tradies, they, they work on the tools all day, they then finish, they go play footy, they then go home and they do that all over again. And by the time they get to the end of the week, most people are knackered for a weekend. Well, they've got a game coming up. Like it, it's pretty pretty full on what they do and I really respect what they do um, and it's the same as the women. So, yeah, being a male in a female environment, um, I'm pretty sure everyone would say that, you know, it's a man doesn't understand one woman being his wife, let alone a bunch of 30 of them. So I'm certainly learning a lot about girls and, um, you know, there are a lot of realities that we go through about learning about the female anatomy, whether it be about things like the time of the month or how they're just, you know, physiologically built differently to we are as men. So there's a learning aspect of it. But um, I love it. The girls are great. Um, They certainly understand the fact that their competition is new um, and, and they've got, you know, not only myself but but so many other coaches who have, I guess, got a wealth of experience and they are so eager to learn and, and they listen and, and they take in everything. They are like sponges. Um, and I think the reason for that is, I mean, you look at the reality of it, most of these women had to stop playing at the age of 13 about that because growing up girls could play with boys until about that age and then they were no longer allowed to play. Back in the day, there were no female competitions for them to play. So until they became adults, they missed playing footy for about six or seven years. So it's like someone didn't go to high school effectively. Um, so they, they have missed so much development. They've been starved of it. So they are just eager to to learn as much as they can because they love footy like I did. They grew up with footy. And unfortunately for them at the moment, like these current players aren't going to be the ones that are going to benefit from what they're doing in terms of being full-time professional athletes and making all the income and, and being these stars. Whilst there still are quite a few who are making a good career out of it, um, they are setting it up for the next generation of girls. They're, they're now, paving the way, aren't they? They are. You know, mm. the, the word pioneers is being used. Um, 
and there are girls across Australia now can grow up and they love footy. Not only do they have their male star idols, but they've got female idols they can grow up and aspire to be. But now there are junior female competitions everywhere. So these girls that I just spoke about who at the age of 13 had to stop playing footy, now they're playing the whole way through. Therefore, their standard is increasing because they don't have to stop. As I said, it's like a, a guy or a girl who didn't go to high school. Well, these guys, can, young girls, can keep playing from the age of six all the way until they're 30. Um, it gives them a pathway, something to achieve, something to aim for. Um, so as I said, the, the ones currently probably unfortunately aren't the ones who, who are going to be the bene- big beneficiaries of this. But what they're setting up for, um, not only footy but just our culture and, and culture in Australia, getting young women involved in sport, getting people involved in sport is a great thing. So. Absolutely. It's 100% a very important part of our life to be fit and healthy and being in a team is such a rewarding experience. Absolutely. Having you on our show today, Jack, has been such an inspiration, such an eye-opener, so much motivation for so many different people out there doing so many different things, whether you're an elite athlete, whether you're playing sport in your local community area or whether you're just trying to work out what your next steps are in life and how you're going to overcome that next part of your journey. I think that Jack has given us an incredible amount of positivity, insight into a fantastic mindset. And it's just been an absolute pleasure to have you here on the show today, Jack. So thank you so much for coming in. Thank you for having me on and uh, it's been great to share my life, which I guess, as you say, is, a, is an interesting story for some. I mean, you know, again, for me, being yeah, the, the reality of it is it's just my life and I live it. So obviously more than happy to talk about it. I know it better than anyone else. So uh, thank you for being interested. Um, and, and, you know, this is a great series, I think, a great initiative that you're doing about being brave. It does come in all forms. You and I obviously have a very strong connection with, with the type 1 diabetes. And um, I think, you know, when people with diabetes meet others who have it, they almost just click immediately because they understand what they're going through. But there are many different forms. It, it might be um, being a, a, the pioneering woman, um, you know, the first CEO of a workplace or whatever it might be. It, it might be a man going to work with women. It, it could be anything. It could be overcoming your fear of heights, which I'm still <laughs> trying to get across. So I'm two metres tall. That's enough for me. I don't need to be any taller. No, thank you very much for having me on. I, I appreciate it. It's been great to have a chat. Awesome. Thank you so much. Until next time. Wow, how amazing is Jack? He is such an inspiration. As a type 1 diabetic, I actually don't know how he has managed to be an elite athlete. I just can't imagine doing it. And I know the struggles that I have in my daily life as a type 1 diabetic. I know how hard it was to have my children. I know how hard it is when I'm sick. I know the complications that come with type 1 diabetes and it is tough. So I completely take my hat off to him in how he has achieved his dreams. His mindset is an inspiration. And I really hope that you got as much as I did out of my conversation with Jack today. So if you've enjoyed this conversation, subscribe to the When We Are Brave podcast. I would love it if you could leave a review. Reviews help shows get the word out. Please tell your friends and family about When We Are Brave so they too can grab some inspiration and tips and tricks on living their best and bravest life. You can find out more about me on my website, tiffanyjohnson.com.au. My book, Brave Enough Now, an inspirational story of self-discovery, survival and hope is my story of how I came to find who I truly was and how I came to survive the 1999 Swiss Canyon disaster. It's available now on Amazon and soon to come out as an audiobook. I'm so excited. 
And don't forget to download your free mini guided journal. It just might be the thing that helps you to live your best and bravest life. You can head over to my website, tiffanyjohnson.com.au and download your free copy today. You'll also find a whole bunch of tips and tricks on my blog post on how you can live your best and bravest life. I also love to share my story with audiences across the globe, talking about resilience and how you can live your best and bravest life, including how I survived the 1999 Swiss canyoning disaster. You can connect with me on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter or LinkedIn or send me an email. I'd love to connect with you. So head over to my website, tiffanyjohnson.com.au. So my friends, be brave. Until next time and live the best and bravest life.